0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Hello, and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports show from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Richard Wayne. In the program this week, former coach Steve Rickson on what's wrong with the Black Caps, Tony Ero talks about his new job in rugby league, and we catch up with the Phoenix and all white star Jeremy Brockie and national tennis number one Marina Arakovic. First up though, golf. As I speak, the Premier New Zealand men's tournament's underway at Christchurch's Clearwater Course, but the New Zealand Open has copped some criticism this year for its mediocre field. There are no big names from offshore competing, unlike a decade ago when caddy Steve Williams enticed his then-employer Tiger Woods to play at Paraparaumu. One big local name back then returns for the first time since that 2002 tournament. Two-time NZ Open winner Greg Turner has begun a comeback as he bids to play on next year's European Seniors Tour. But even today's local stars, such as national number one Danny Lee and Michael Campbell, are absent, let alone anyone of note, even from across the Tasman. The minuscule $400,000 purse doesn't help either. Wellington's Mark Brown and the Auckland rookie Ryan Fox addressed those issues at a media conference before the tournament got underway. Fox was certainly happy to be there. He speaks first.
3: Oh, it's just awesome to be down here. It's been a goal of mine since I started playing competitive golf to win a New Zealand Open and and it was just a goal in mine when I first started Just to play in it And it's just great to be down here and be a part of it
0: Yeah, I think for the New Zealand guys Obviously any national open's um, huge And I think I'd speak for most of the guys Would would turn up and play for a peanuts lab You know, the, the prize money is irrelevant So I'll always make the effort And that's been the frustrating thing has not been able to get back the last few years It's sort of always clashed with Hong Kong When I was playing in Europe So, you know, it's something I've definitely missed And it would be a tournament that When I finish playing would be great to have on you on your list have haven't been a tournament that you've won.
4: Guys, how disappointing is it, that said, that some of those uh, other sort of top New Zealand players haven't been able to make the trip for various reasons, whether they've really been qualifying for other tours, etc. Does it take a little bit of the gloss off at all?
0: I think it does, but it's just so difficult this time of year with scheduling, and, you know, we always run into the same problem of qualifying schools, big money events at the end of seasons for Europe, and, and guys trying to keep their card in the States, so I don't know if you're ever going to have a perfect date, but and I'm sure the organizers look into it and try and schedule it as best they can, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. And for, for everyone involved, it's frustrating that we can't get at least all the top New Zealand guys back, and if not, a few better players from Aussie and around the world. So you know, I don't, I don't know enough about it, but maybe if you know, we could get this and the PGA back together, again, that might attract um, guys to come for two weeks but like I said, I don't know the commercial arrangements and scheduling arrangements, but to me that would be probably an ideal situation.
2: I guess the fact remains there's a lot of golf tournaments all around the world and you guys have got to
0: make a living. Exactly,
3: yeah, and as Brownie said, it's pretty hard, you know, just being on the Aussie Tour, you can make a living, but it's a pretty tough one, it's, you know, most of the guys' dreams is to get on the European or the PGA Tour, and unfortunately this time of year, that's when all the Q skills are, and and you know, we can by trying to Make the race to Dubai is
0: just all the stuff clashes. Unfortunately, this time of year. Yeah, I think unfortunately for the tournament, it is a business, and I'm sure a lot of the Aussie guys looked at the prize money and thought, well, it might be a good week to have off, which is a shame. But um, it's just the way it is. And you know, personally, maybe if we could get back to to having it co-sanction, I'm not sure whether that would be a better field. You'd certainly need help with a couple of Aussie tournaments at the same time if you're going to include Europe, but. You know, to me, if we could have three or four tournaments co-sanctioned with Europe around Australia and New Zealand, um, that might be one way of getting a stronger field. And I think it's just lacking that little bit of X factor at the moment that probably needs to be irrelevant for us, because we'll, like I said, we'll turn up anyway, but just to get that slightly stronger field. Hard to get
2: without a draw card, isn't it, just to get the punters in
0: here to give it a sense of occasion,
3: if you like. yeah. Even, you know, having someone like Cambo back would have been fantastic. But, you know, you saw what happened last week with the Aussie Masters with Scotty and Ian Polter and the the crowds around them were phenomenal for the week, all the press coverage was around them and you know, to have them contend for the week just made the tournament special and you know, if we could get something like that here it would be fantastic as well.
2: Ryan Fox, incidentally the son of all black selector Grant Fox and Mark Brown talking ahead of the New Zealand Open. Coming up, league with Tony Errol, football with Jeremy Brockie and tennis with Marina Arakovic. Now let's turn to cricket, where the New Zealand men slumped to their fifth consecutive Test match defeat against Sri Lanka in Gaul. A former coach has come out with some words of advice for the Black Caps, who were in a competitive position after the two sides' first innings, but were then bowled out for just 118. Sri Lanka went on to win by 10 wickets inside three days. Steve Rickson is the former New Zealand coach, now the current assistant coach to the Australian team. Rickson says the black caps have the raw talent to mold a winning side, but the senior players need to start taking responsibility. Steve Rickson's been watching over his former team's struggles and he spoke with Jacob McSweeney.
5: identifying the problem from afar is not not quite as easy, but
4: uh what i uh,
5: I do keep my ear close to the wall and uh, try to uh, try to hear what's going on with my uh, former side so to me, um, you know, I, I hear a lot of uh, uh, dysfunctional um, activities happening, um, and uh, the harmony between all all uh, different sectors of of a good good unit is uh, not quite as it should be. So um, I think that needs to be addressed and uh, get back to the uh, drawing board as far as actually trying to break the, break it down into small pieces and actually get the coach. Back to uh, running the cricket show, um, get the selectors doing their job and everyone else just do their own jobs and I think you'll probably get a fair result, uh, which is exactly what I asked when I I came to the the country and I was uh, granted that and I thought we got a a pretty good job done. So I think there's there's some some reasoning behind actually getting back to having a real look at um, who does what and make sure that uh, there's not any mixed messages in the overlapping of those, um, uh, those different roles.
4: Those five tests have lost. They've scored over 300 only twice. Obviously, they've, bowling's actually not done too badly. You know, in the recent test against Sri Lanka, we managed to get them out for under 250. I mean, how do we improve on our batting?
5: Yeah, look, I think that once again, I look at what you've got with the batting, and um, I know a lot of the individual players there, and I know that you've got a very good batting side. Obviously, the discipline in in learning how to go uh, go about scoring a big score is probably the biggest key. Uh, maybe the the introduction of 2020 cricket has probably got people playing some Ill, ill-disciplined cricket. Uh, one of the one of the things, from a personal perspective, watching Michael Clark go about his job with Cowans last week in in a, quite a pressure cooker situation. To me, there was uh, there was the example of proper test match batting, and uh, we've got to get your Ross Taylor's, your Brendan McCullum's, your Guptals, etc. All all back into that mode where, you know, the only thing that counts is the next ball that's bowled to them, and the only thing they need to be worrying about is that same thing. So, if you do that, you tend to bat longer. If you bat longer, you score runs, and um, all of a sudden a couple of partnerships form. All of a sudden, your 200s become 350s. Now you're in the game because your bowling has been quite good. And uh, it was good to see Southie do do the job he did the yep. other day. He's, uh, he's a quality bowler and he's getting better with, with every outing. You've got a lot of guys who are going to be good assistants to Southie as your strike bowler. And uh, I think you've got the ability to get 20 wickets. That's a good starting point when you're trying to win a game of cricket.
4: One of the other things we seem to be struggling with is spin bowling. West Indian bowler Noreen. India had Oja and Ashwin who really sort of ripped through us and now uh, Herath uh, from Sri Lanka is getting a lot of he's just got a 10 wicket bag against us how do we go about preparing for guys such unique spin bowlers uh, such as these guys how do we get ready for these kind of bowlers
5: yeah you're right and it's not just yourselves there's a lot of countries that have been through exactly what you're going through and Australia uh, one of those countries. Uh, we struggled against those same names, um, but but in the recent days, in the last uh, probably 12, 12 to 14 months, we've uh, learned to combat it. We've got different players who play different roles. We we specifically work plans to make sure that we uh, when we're going to these subcontinent places, and we are up against you know prodigious spin and and unique spinners such as your Ajmal who have the one that goes away or um, Noreen and these sort of bowlers are all, you know, they're quality bowlers and you, you need to practice on wickets that actually have um, a bit more bit more turn, uh, a bit more bounce, a little bit more uneven. So you actually l- learn how to combat it and actually work out your own game and how to score score runs. And they're just trying to survive in, in, in circumstances like that because that's, that's a recipe for uh, failure. But um, if you actually go there with a plan stick to your plan and, and, and stay within those realms, well, I think you'll be half successful. So it's not just New Zealand that are having trouble with these same bowlers. It's a lot of countries. But I think other countries have probably sat back and worked out exactly what is in, in, in the best interest of playing against these guys. We know what we're going to get. We are expecting to, to, to be uh, scoring runs in the hardest possible way. And at the end of the day, uh, we've, we've, we've appreciated that and we've moved on and uh, we're now actually combating it to a
4: degree. And, and another thing, Steve, is I suppose when you're in a position when you've lost a lot of games, you're being criticised in the media, what advice would you give to this current team?
5: Look, winning's, winning's a habit, as is losing. At the moment, you've got a losing mentality. You've got people that are probably um, worrying about their positions in the side, rightfully so. Uh, there's people that have self-doubt. All of those are the worst possible pill to be swallowing when you're trying to learn how to win a game of cricket again. But the one thing I will say, if you get back onto the winning track, you have, have your senior players lead from the front and actually combat the likes of these guys you've been talking about with the ball, uh, you will find that the, the rest will follow suit and that's when the young, young Kane Richardsons, etc. will become uh, you know much better players and, and actually learn how, how to be a contributor in a, um, in a winning combination. But until that day, um, it's just Simple hard work, some simple simple planning. Not, and I say I think I think the Kiwis over the years have probably tended to be a little bit uh, in the over planning department. And uh, things that sound good aren't norm- normally realistic. And uh, well, I think we've got to get back to some simple basics to make sure that uh, the likes of the players I've been mentioning can uh, can actually learn how to combat the opposition bowlers.
2: Steve Rickson talking to Jacob McSweeney about the Black Caps. And this is Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Richard Wayne. The former Kiwis international Tony Ero has a new job after leaving the Warriors when Matthew Elliott was appointed head coach. Iroh is now New Zealand Rugby League's new high-performance manager. He'll focus on the elite end of the sport, aiming at the Kiwis' defence of their World Cup title next year. Iroh, who will continue as assistant to Kiwis coach Stephen Kearney, replaces Ruben Wickie at the NZRL. Wicky's now a strength and conditioning coach with the Warriors. Barry Guy spoke to Tony Ero and asked him what his new job entails.
6: The role came up basically with the thought that uh, obviously 2013 is going to be a big year for the Qs of the Defence of the World Cup. Ruben Wicky uh, having moved to the Warriors as a trainer, he was a previous general manager, so it sort of fitted well. And you know, over the last few years, we've talked about adding a resource to actually help Up the coaching team just to get the side uh, as well prepared as we can be. And so, you know, it was just sort of perfect timing, really. It gives me an opportunity to still continue my role as as an assistant coach with Steve Kearney and also as a selector, but also to give him a little bit more hand in terms of um, preparing the side um, as best we can when we go up to England in October, November.
1: What about, I mean... Unfortunately, the Kiwis seem to get together so irregularly. I mean, how difficult is it sort of going to be hands-on with players, though?
6: Well, it's it, it, it's always been difficult. And, you know, when I've been involved with in, with an NRL side, just like Steve, it's, it's been difficult to find time, let alone your own time, but more importantly, time with the players. So you're always juggling uh, commitments and so on. But in this role, you know, I've got a clear brief to go and meet the players as as often as I can so I I want to have a a good look at our our leadership groups I want to have a a good look at the individuals and being outside the NRL now to me I can probably have a bit more of an independent look at at, at some of the players obviously we've got some big numbers coming through both the NRL and the Toyota Cup so um, the more time I I can sit down with them and, and just see how they're tracking the more time I can sort of Getting what some um, some footage of those guys will certainly help help Steve and our eye and in our and our preparation for later on in the year. So um, it is difficult, but I've got a little bit more scope now and a little bit more time to to find that time with those folks.
1: So meeting up with the senior players, I suppose they get a first hand sort of knowledge about uh, how the New Zealanders are doing that sort of thing, and you can sort of chat to them about possibly guys that should be uh, in the reckoning.
6: Yeah, and also it's it's about, you know, I mean with our with our senior group, uh this year we even we we tried to meet up three or four times during the year. We we don't have the, the luxury of a of an origin camp and we don't have the luxury of obviously, um, myself being in New Zealand of of, of everyone being based based around um around one club or, or in one state. So yeah, we ran some camps last year, they were they were very successful and we just want to expand that a little bit. Um, we're looking at doing one in, in January for for the New Zealand players and in, in line with the um the origin camps that New South Wales and Queensland uh run. So uh it's just another opportunity for, for our boys to get together and um get sort of hopefully get that get that closeness and start numbing out a few plans of their own. We've got one test match in Canberra this year, before we go into the World Cup, so we don't have a lot of time. So we've just got to try and make time by um, getting together as, as frequently as we can, as long as it doesn't interfere with the boys um, in our commitments.
1: We can all sort of sit here, I suppose, and watch uh, matches on TV and say, "Oh, that guy's in outstanding form playing for that club." But there's obviously more to that. You need to know a bit more about the person, and you know what you what's expected uh, if you want to be a Kiwi.
6: Yeah, and you know I've got plans of um, visiting a number of NRL clubs this year and as you say there's more than just the playing side of it it's how uh, how how the coaches get them there and you know I want to be talking to you know the, the good coaches and uh, around the NRL and um, just having to talk to those individuals about what makes them click you know uh, we haven't had a very good record up in the UK over the last five or six years and obviously uh, we're playing against a very good Australian side at the moment too so we've got some challenges coming up And, you know, my role this year and especially this year is focused on how do we um, pick as many boxes as we can over the next 10 or 11 months so that the team we send up there um, is best prepared and and the team we send up there is actually the right one. So there's a lot of work to do. So, you know, the New Zealand Rugby League, you know, and and Jim Doyle, Scott Carter and Tony Kemp uh, were keen on, on throwing as many resources as they could this year just so we can... Make a real good fist of our defence and continue the momentum that they've, you know, really driven over the last few years.
1: How easy will it be, or or what would they say the ARL allow you to do? You know, you're going meeting all of these guys because also, you know, you're, you're the enemy in a way. How will you be received, perhaps within Australia, within Australian clubs, and that sort of thing when you when you're working for New Zealand?
6: Yeah, I think um, actually the commission. That was formed um, a few months ago. Has been really positive about international football. So, you know, they they actually see it as a really important part of of the game's development. That we don't let it slip away. Um, obviously, there's a lot of pressures on on the code from the NRL clubs. It's such a tough year, but also from um, the Origin series. But All the messages coming out of uh, the Australian Rugby Commission is that they need and they want international football to thrive, so they've been really good about that. As I said, the Origin camps are running in January, so we don't plan to be stepping on any feet there because uh, a lot of players will already be involved in in those type of camps anyway, and the rest of the time is just finding time individually with those players and with with the group as a whole. Although it's it's a busy time for the NRL, the players are also really keen on on getting together and nailing out some plans that they that they um, hope to make them better near the end of the year. So as I said, it's it's, it's tough. You have to balance time, you have to balance commitments, but um, there's ways to do it.
1: And tell me about you accepting this job. I mean, uh, I think your name was mentioned with the Roosters and that and that sort of thing. I mean, were there things out there for you? But you know, this was the one that took your fancy.
6: Yeah, there were, there were um, opportunities in Australia, but also I had a, had a good look. And, and obviously I've been involved in the New Zealand Rugby League over the last few years. You know, they've got really some really good people involved. I also, having been involved with the New Zealand side over the last few years, I, I know how important this year is. So I, I decided that this was probably the best road, basically for the Kiwis, because I'm, I'm, I'm really, really keen on, on making sure the Kiwis... Retain that cut. Also, it's a it's a great opportunity for me in terms of um, adding to my sort of uh, resume, so to speak, because it's, it is a different role to what I've been doing. But it's it's involved in rugby league. It's a good opportunity to to meet and be involved with you know all the elite players through the game on a more regular basis.
2: Tony Erol speaking with Barry Guy. This is extra time. Still to come, we catch up with NZ tennis number one Marina Arakovic. The Wellington Phoenix footballers spent the week in Australia following last weekend's crucial win in Newcastle. That 3-0 result over the Jets was the Phoenix's first away victory this season and resurrected their A-League campaign. It ended a three-match losing streak and lifted the Wellington side off the bottom of the ladder. Jeremy Brockie scored twice on his return to his former side and the versatile All-White told me on the phone from Perth that the Phoenix's decision to keep the team over there should pay dividends against their next opponents, the Glory.
7: Yeah, it's been good. Gave the boys a bit of chance to to bond together, head out and go for coffees and uh enjoy the, the sun and, and heat of Perth and it obviously makes it a lot better after getting three points on the weekend. Definitely good to get on the score sheet. It can be difficult going back to your old club and uh, sometimes the occasion can get the better of you, but um it was an important time for us boys to, to make sure we knuckled down and, and turned our run around and uh Everyone worked hard for each other, and uh, we definitely deserved the three points at the end of the game. And I was very happy to continue with the goals.
2: Yeah, it's noticeable you didn't celebrate. That's um, that's just sort of courtesy, isn't it, to the fans who have supported you in the past?
7: Yeah, for sure. They were they were good to me the two years I was there. And uh, normally, sometimes when you go to your old club, they boo you and whatever when you touch the ball. But uh, I got none of that, so um, I was yeah just out of out of respect to to keep the celebrations to a minimum. When I when I came off the pitch, they sort of applauded me and clapped me as I walked off. So um, no, it was great. And um, I think, yeah, the people that I was close to over in Newcastle, they they do they know the the story and and how it all happened. So, uh, but look, I'm very happy where I am now. Do you think you should probably have taken that penalty and had your hat trick? Oh, I definitely put my hand up to take it. Um, but I've been the penalty taker since day one, so didn't want to make. Any, any scene or an argument or anything like that. Um, I'm happy just for the three points. Uh, if I had got the third goal, then would have been equally as happy, but uh, three points was most important to me on the day.
2: Yeah, it was pretty crucial for the Phoenix, wasn't it, to get those points, and, and the first road win for the club for the year as well.
7: Yeah, for sure, and we done it quite convincingly, obviously, with the 3-0 scoreline, and we we could have had a couple more. We had three losses on the bounce. So there was a bit of sick coming our way, so it was good to come over, over here and get three points and it's, it's a crucial period of the season now for us. You showed some fantastic
2: goal-scoring form in pre-season and you know you, you look like you're getting back to it last week. Can we expect that hat-trick
7: this week? <laughs> That'd be very nice. Uh, obviously, I did score a few goals in pre-season and I thought leading into the season that they wouldn't count for much if I didn't do it during the season. So I'm happy to, to be sitting on four at the moment. I don't think any Phoenix players got a hat-trick yet so I'll, I'll definitely try and put my hand up to be the first one to, to get one. Yeah,
2: well, you'd want to make it two in a row and and, and keep this good form. Well, you know, it's only one game, but you know, make it make it another one and and prove that it was no fluke. Although Perth, obviously, not the easiest place in the world to go to.
7: No, it's not not the easiest place to come and play. But obviously, the club's done us a favour by bringing us over for the whole week and trying to limit a bit of travel time for the boys. So um, there'll be no excuses when we run out on Saturday. We should be all fresh and and looking to definitely build on the three points we earned on Sunday. And adjusting, I
2: guess, to the time zone and the and the climate, all that stuff, maybe staying over in Australia between games could be the way to go for the Knicks.
7: Oh, yeah, it's pretty crucial. Um, obviously, the seven of us that were away with the national team were in China, so we've been through a few different time zones in the last 10 days or so, so it's definitely good thinking by the club to, to keep us over here and keep the boys close together, and the, the spirits are definitely high on the camp.
2: Perth have been a bit up and down this season. Uh, they haven't strung two wins together. In fact, their record goes win, loss, win, loss, win, draw, loss. Have you noticed what they've been doing this season? And they, you know they do seem a bit inconsistent.
7: Yeah, I've, I've kept a little bit of an eye on on the whole league, and Perth are always a tough side at home. They obviously lost at home on the weekend, so they they're going to come out fired up and and not want to lose. But um, obviously. We've got different plans for that and we were looking to build on on the three points we got on the weekend. So it's definitely going to be a good game and I'm confident that the boys will come out on top. Another bonus, obviously, coming out of our game was to keep a clean sheet, which also sends confidence through the squad and uh, we've really worked hard to make sure we're going to be hard to break down.
2: Perth are... um, The word going around, at least, is that Perth are the front runners to sign David Beckham. Now, what are your (laughs) thoughts? Is is this at all a possibility that he could come to the A-League?
7: Oh look, uh if you if you depending on what stories you're reading on the media it, it sort of seems that it's a possibility. Personally I'd love to see him here. I watched him growing up as a kid and loved the way he played so if you could get a Wellington Phoenix shirt that'd be brilliant. <laughs> but um no, for, for the league it'd be uh outstanding if uh, we could bring a player like him who's the most recognised footballer in the world to Australia. Yeah, it would be
2: good for the league, wouldn't it? I guess the Phoenix probably, you know, just if, if he is a possibility of coming to the Australian league, uh, I guess you guys might not have the financial muscle to pull him.
7: I think, uh, I don't necessarily think it would be more, the FSA would probably want to try and get him to an Australian club, but I'm sure if you were to get a player like Beckham, he's, he's going to bring the revenue from shirt sales and selling out Westpac. So I can't see a, a downside to it, but that's just my opinion, and I, I'm not the one that pays the bills.
2: That's the Phoenix striker, Jeremy Brocky. This is Extra Time. Last up, we turn to tennis. The full field for the upcoming ASB Classic Women's Tournament in Auckland has been unveiled, and it's surprisingly strong, considering the competition from bigger money events in Brisbane and the new Chinese tournament at Shenzhen. Tournament director Karl Budge has put together a field featuring six players from the world's top 30, including top seed and current world number four Agnieszka Radwanska of Poland and former world number twos Vera Zvonareva and Svetlana Kuznetsova from Russia. The Auckland tournament, which begins on New Year's Eve, also sees local ace Marina Irakowicz return after a disappointing second half of 2012. The New Zealand number one reached a career-high WTA ranking of 39 in May, But Irakovic is down to 67th after pulling out of the US Open with injury. Astrid Yerda spoke with Marina Irakovic for extra time.
8: I actually got injured in Dallas which was the week before the US Open and it was a tendon in my hip. It was basically just a slow sort of nagging thing and it got worse and worse and eventually I had to retire from the doubles at the US Open. Came home and basically have been recovering. I, I had six weeks off tennis and I actually started hitting a few weeks ago and it's going really well. I have no issues at the moment, so things are right on track. And you're okay to play in the a- ASB Classic. At the moment I am, but you know the ASB Classic is still a while away, so with tennis you never know, but at the moment, yes. How are your preparations going? Really good. I am heading away to Florida on Monday. I'm going to do a three-week training block over there. Just get in a lot of tennis and then back before Christmas, so I I should be quite ready to go. And what are your expectations? No expectations. I haven't had any for a few years now, so just uh, play the tennis, do my best, and the rest will take care of itself. What do you think of the field for the ASB Classic? I think the field is really good. There are two other events now during Auckland. There's one in Brisbane, one in China, so I think Kyle did a very good job to get this field and I think, you know, it's going to be a lot of good matches next year. And what do you think of your prospects for the Australian Open? Same here, no expectations. I go into every event just focusing on that first match, you know, having a game plan, working on my game and uh, that's all I can do really. You made some big strides this year, Um, how do you feel about 2012? Um, I was just talking to someone, you know, I haven't even really looked back on it. I felt like it was a good year, but not, not extraordinary. I had a, you know, three or four th- niggles injuries wise, and, you know, just wasn't as smooth as I wanted it to be. But, um, you know, I definitely went to see and play some tournaments where I've never been before, like Madrid, Rome, Budapest. So there were some new experiences which I really enjoyed this year. How does doubles rate for you? Because you had some success in that. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoy playing doubles. Um, I'm going to play with Heather Watson here, and uh, we've done really well this year. So, you know, singles is number one for me, but doubles is definitely something I enjoy and I, uh, I'm i pretty good at. And how is the depth of women's tennis in New Zealand? Apart from me, I wouldn't know, to be quite honest. that's that's, that's depth is uh, not very good. And uh, are you keen to... The Fed Cup for New Zealand. I am keen. I um, that's going to be in February. Uh, I haven't made any decisions yet, but um, it's definitely you know on my schedule penciled in. So probably making a decision about that later next month.
2: Marina Arakovich with Astrid Yurda, and that's the show for this week. Feedbacks always welcome. Sport at radioinz.co.nz's the email sport at radio nz You can of course get the latest sports news anytime on our website. Well, we'll be back with the next web-only extra time show next week. I'm Richard Wayne. Bye for now.
5: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.